I'm Lee Foster. You're listening to Action, the no bullshit podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. This episode is a conversation between myself and Emily Jo Hayes, a very successful model and actress working in the Midwest, about the basics of commercial print or lifestyle modeling, a highly lucrative aspect of this industry we feel many actors neglect. Emily Jo Hayes, my friend, uh, who are you? Who am I? What a question. I'm a normal person, just like you, just like everybody else. Um, you want me to go deeper than that? Yeah, maybe a little bit. What do you do for a living? I work full-time as a model and actress in the Twin Cities. And uh, that's where we met each other. How many jobs do you think we've worked on together? Oh, goodness. Is it like four or five? I mean, it's not been a ton, just a handful. Yeah, I'd say around four or five. But um, I will say for people who don't know you, who are listening all around the world, everyone knows who Emily Jo Hayes is in the Twin Cities. You probably work, and I, you're modest, so you probably won't admit to this, but I think you probably work more than anyone. Oh, I don't know about that. I might just, like, post a little bit too much about it, but I try. I try real hard. I don't know. I don't know. I think <laughs> I think you're you're either the top or you are right up in the top of the uh, Midwest uh, modeling business. Well, thank so, you. I really appreciate that coming from you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so on this podcast, we are going to talk about some very basic tips for people who are getting into modeling or who have never modeled and want to try it. We were talking a lot yesterday about this and how um, we think that a lot of people neglect modeling. They don't think of themselves as models. They think of themselves as actors and artists, and that's fine. But um, you're missing out on a ton of money if Absolutely. Uh, if you do not pursue modeling and you could. And we are not – let's get this straight right away. We are not talking about GQ. We're not talking about Vogue. We're not talking about Runway. We're talking about commercial print or lifestyle modeling. Those are the mm-hmm. two phrases you hear. It's basically holding up a product and smiling or using a product and smiling or being in an atmosphere like a hotel that they're promoting or a restaurant, smiling and laughing, having fun, right? Absolutely, yes. And it's amazing how many people, and, and I was one of those people, that never thought of it that way. When I was introduced to this, I thought of runway, of being super skinny, super tall, super pissed off all the time, you know, whatever it is you see in in vogue and on the runways, but there's this huge market that is lifestyle, which is everyday people doing everyday things. I mean, watch TV, open up a magazine. It's 90% of that magazine half of the time. Absolutely. So why don't we just get right into it? Um, yes. We've each created a, a list of some tips, and we're just going to kind of go down the list and discuss them and stuff. So I will start off. Basically, the first thing you're going to want to do before you go to your first casting, and we're going to say casting, it's interchangeable pretty much with auditioning, but a lot of times for modeling, instead of saying audition, they say casting. So mm-hmm. um, before you go to your first casting, or if you've gone to a few and you feel kind of nervous, you don't really know what to do, um, you're going to want to learn, and I'm speaking to guys. I don't, I've never been a woman. Uh, I don't think I'll ever <laughs> be a woman. Um so I know how to do this for guys. You know how to do this for girls. 
So some of this stuff, uh, the stuff that I say is going to be directed mostly toward men and maybe the stuff that you talk about is going to be a mixture. But um, yes. you, can, uh, you can handle the, uh, the female front. So um, you want to learn like a handful of poses. What people I think are afraid of when they go to castings is that they're going to freeze. They're not going to know what to do. They're going to get in front of the camera, in front of the, uh, the white backdrop or whatever they have, and they're not going to know what to do, and they're going to feel nervous, and they're going to look like they're not experienced. So you want to learn a handful of poses that are very, very, very simple. Like, for instance, you never want to be flat-footed with both your feet just planted straight at the camera. That's not a pose. Um, but what you can do is, like, one foot in front of the other almost always looks better than your feet at the same distance from the camera. Your weight should be, like, a little bit on one hip, okay, usually. And uh, and then you can do, like, hands by your sides or a hand in your pocket. It sounds stupid, but this is these are the things you need to know. Uh, or the other hand in the pocket, looking straight at the camera, looking off to the side, looking off to the other side. And pretty much, for me, those are the poses. It's just a combination of those things that I just said. So left foot in front of the other, that's one pose. If you keep everything the same and you put the right foot in front of the other and kind of pop your hip out just a little bit, that's a different pose. If you have both hands in your pockets and you're looking straight at the camera, that's a pose. And then if you look off to the right, that's another pose. So, you know, get good at just going through those basic things. And then, uh, like I said, people are afraid of freezing. If you do freeze, what I suggest is just, just go through it again. Just do a pose that you already did. It doesn't matter. It'll look a little bit different. No one's going to notice, like, oh, stop, hold everything. He already did that pose. It's not going to happen. So um, just, just learn some basic, some basic posing. And I'll say on this same point, when you get to the casting and you get on – I guess set you call it like you're about to they're about to start shooting photos there's probably going to be either one light like 45 degrees off to uh one side or there's going to be two lights uh usually one of them is bigger or brighter that's like the main light you want to like mostly be facing toward that light either straight onto camera or if you're going to look off the side it's going to look the best if you're looking that way if you're looking toward the bigger light. Emily? Yes. I have to say a lot of those apply towards women as well. Um, a lot of the positions that you mentioned earlier, and obviously women look the same way for light as men would do, so all those things are applicable. Something that women really need to be aware of is your shape. I mean, like you said, feet planted straight forward ends up being like a very square, boxy shot, and women need to look like they have shape, like they have a waist, like there's some separation between the two. So think about popping the hips one or the other, shifting the weight to one or the other. Your hands, that's another huge thing. I carry my stress in my hands, and when I first started, I would see photos of myself with this very angry, stiff hand, um, straightened or clenching a fist even, and that catches the eye so badly. So really kind of practice being aware of what your hands are doing. And sometimes that's like the hardest thing to control. Like, where do these hands go? They go, where do they go? Nowhere. Well, you know, you can put them in a pocket. I think that's kind of more of a man pose than a woman pose, but maybe one for women. And kind of something that I always find myself doing is we call it twisting the peanut. Um, and that's kind of what it looks like. I mean, have loose hands, 
fingers together, and it's kind of like your index fingers and your thumbs are kind of just barely touching, and they're being held kind of at the center of your waist, just a little bit above the pant line. That seems to be a really flattering place to put the arms, creating some space between the body, and then just drop them and pick them back up, just like Lee said before. Just keep shifting that weight, keep moving that body, you know, turning the face. Make sure you don't turn your face and your body away from your key light that Lee had mentioned earlier. And use your eyes, too. I mean, looking down and looking back up right at camera can kind of create a fresh new look by just changing your eye movement. And something with eyes to take note of, I don't know if you've been instructed on this, Lee, in early days, is just watching, like, where your eye positioning is. Like, sometimes someone will say, look off the camera or look off camera, and you're giving, like, all whites of your eyes to the camera, and it's just all white, and that's not good. So you need to kind of be aware of how far can I move my eyeball away from that camera without making it all the whites of my eyes. Smile, do some with smiles, some serious. That can be a change in a pose as well. I mean, it doesn't all have to be super happy or super serious, so mix it up. Yeah, one thing that I I noticed about myself and probably every model will find out what their best looks are, like what their best positions Mm -hmm. are for their face or their eyes or their body or whatever one thing that that I noticed is that if my head is down and then I look up with my eyes, I look creepy. I, I just know that I know that about myself. So I can't do that that like serial killer look. It doesn't feel like I'm doing a serial killer look, but it looks like that. But it comes look. off that way. Yeah. Exactly. So there's certain things that like, you know, you'll learn that what to do and what not to do. Um on the other side of that, one thing that I know that looks really good for me, and maybe it's for everybody, but if I look above the camera, instead of mm-hmm. looking, I mean, I look straight at the camera. Um, sometimes I look off to the side and then off to the other side, and sometimes I look down. Um, but look, a lot of people, I think, neglect looking above the camera. If you look above the camera, it looks like it's a good shot, and it's one that's very applicable when you're actually on the shoot, because a lot mm-hmm. of times you need to be like, you, it needs to look like you're looking at somebody. If you look above the camera, like, oh, you just saw, like, a friend that's come in the door, which is something that happens yep. a lot. They, you know, they're like, hey, just pretend that you see a friend over there. Look above the camera, like a slight smile, and that is a golden look. That's Absolutely. A good you know, I don't know if they do this with you a lot, but I get a lot of the winning photos after doing a shoot. And, again, this is um, maybe we're selling the wardrobe, the product, and it's not so much selling me, my face. Um, a lot of my photos that get selected are this look down, smile thing. Maybe your hands are, like, tucking your hair behind your ear just lightly. I get put into that pose quite a bit. And they like the, the next one that follows, which is you're looking down, your head's down a tiny bit, and then the next photo would be head popping up, eyes to camera, or, like you just said, slightly off to left, right, or top, you know, looking for your friend. So those moments in between of the down and the up, the left and the right, Every time you're moving, you're kind of making this fresh, new image. And I think that what people are looking for is not a stale, flat, rehearsed pose, but fresh movements each time. Right. And that all comes off on camera. It's amazing how you can tell, you can instantly see if somebody's stiff. And uh, I do hear, like, now that you mention it, um, photographers will say, look down and then bring your eyes up to camera or look down mm-hmm. and then bring your head bring your head up to whatever position. And yeah, it's like because you're not just stuck in that stale position, you're going into it 
for some reason it looks fresh and and yeah. natural. Yeah, I'm sure you've been on some where things are so precise and they've got you in that sweet spot. Your hands where it's supposed to be, your head's where it's supposed to be, your hair's where it's supposed to be, and they they won't let you move. And and I'm I'm jumping ahead a little bit to like an actual shoot probably where it you know whatever it is that you're shooting, you're in the right position and you can't move too much. And they keep saying, you know, make it look fresh, make it look alive, and it's very difficult sometimes mm-hmm. when you're in that space. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, if they relax for a minute, if I'm allowed to move, and I can just look away completely or kind of undo what they just did to me and come back into that place, they like it because I'm not stale and stiff anymore. But you do have to figure out how to continue to look fresh and vibrant when you can't move because, um, as we know from a, I think our first job, like moving around and messing up the bedding that we were working on together is uh, you can really undo someone's hard work by not listening to their instruction. Right. God, that was a long time ago. Sleep number. Yes, in the sheets. And I kept thinking, I can smooth my own hair and I can, don't worry, I can. and I got yelled at every time because every mood I, move I made was messing up this immaculate bedding that they had pressed and ironed, and every wrinkle was just so. And every time I tried to be helpful and pull a little piece of hair back, I was ruining the bed. The best job I could have done was just shut up, sit still, and let them do their job. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's sometimes a hard lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say real quick that um, there are some jobs where your job is to just stand still, like to move as little as possible. And this is usually, this is with clothing almost always, where they're trying to shoot like, the whole job is shooting like one jacket. It's not like a bunch of outfit changes, it's like one jacket, and they're trying to get like every wrinkle right. I remember I did one back in uh, Minneapolis. It was for 3M, and it was for uh, like coveralls, they call them, which is a full body plastic suit for like Mm -hmm. painters or, or something. And uh, it was a full-body plastic suit with a hood, like a plastic hood, goggles, and a gas mask. <laughs> so you, they could have picked anybody. They could have picked anyone off the street, but for some reason they picked me to do it. You and were the guy. For, I was the guy. For like six hours, I stood. Oh. For six hours, I stood in one position while they meticulously, like, tweaked every little wrinkle in this plastic suit. It was torture. I was sweating. I couldn't breathe. Oh, I imagine. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's definitely been it's those. It's so glamorous. Stuff. It's so glamorous, Oh, God, I know. I know. And then I went out, and there was a flood of paparazzi uh, that surrounded yes. me to my car. Yes, autographs for everyone. Yes, it made yeah. e-news that night, too, didn't it? Yeah. Yep, that's the life. <laughs> yeah, but the money's good. The money's there. It I is. Don't care. I don't it care is. about glamour. I'm doing this for money. I don't either. That's the funny thing about it is, um, you know, it's great to be famous and to be known, but there's so much work that is kind of a little bit unknown. I mean, you don't think about who's the guy in the rubber suit on 3M, but um, mm-hmm. that guy's making a living uh, mm-hmm. while everyone else is doing whatever it is they do. Yeah. Um, this We haven't talked about this before, but uh, just so people know, why don't we talk a little bit about what a typical job pays? At least in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. Like what what we ideally hope to get on our average shoot day, I guess, right? Because they yeah. go above and below that. It's it's hard mm-hmm. to say I always make this amount because in the winter this time of year, which is it's December right now, 
work gets kind of slow. There can be little pockets of holiday things or we got to get it done by the end of the year. But this is a time of year where you really got to, you know, hope that you save money well and be really out there with your networking and um, being a little bit more willing to take jobs that don't pay as much because it's tough. But, I mean, I want to say like our average hourly rate that we, we hope to get is, I believe it's like 187.50 an hour mm-hmm. with two-hour minimums. That's kind of where we hope to start. Mm-hmm. Am I yeah. am I wrong? Is that about what you expect? Yeah, that's what I expect, and that it's one eighty seven fifty because that equals a fifteen hundred dollar eight hour day. Sometimes they book half days, sometimes they book full days, sometimes they book hourly. Yeah, usually a two hour minimum. And sometimes there's less than that. I mean, it's like a producer may come and say, "This is a job. This is all we've got. Take it or leave it." And um, so, so you see some less than that. I mean, we're not all getting these thousand dollar days that we want. All the time, we take a lot of, uh, you know, 250, 300, 400, and you know, maybe sometimes we should turn those down. But certain times of the year, you'll take things you wouldn't have taken previously, just because of how slow things might be. So it is kind of all across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's that beautiful word called buyout, which um, <sighs> yes. So a lot of times we get, um, basically, Emily or I or other models who. Uh, have agents, they'll get an email from their agent that says, I mean, there's a, it could be for a casting, it could be a direct booking, which is where the company just says, we're interested in Emily, we want to book her on this day, is she available? And then we'll, we'll see the rate. And so, um, if this is a typical job, let's say it's a full day, uh, $1,500, and then there's a buyout, and a buyout is they're paying extra to be able to use the images for longer. So you could get, I mean, I've seen four, five, six thousand dollar buyouts. Ten, I saw a ten thousand dollar buyout once, which is awesome. I mean, that's yeah. great. It's the same amount of work, and honestly, I don't care. I don't care how long the images are used. Use them as long as you want. I mean, as long as you pay me for them. It doesn't. There's no such thing as like conflicts the way there is with commercials in the print industry, as far as I'm concerned. And if there are, I have never, since I've done this, run into one where somebody goes. You know, Burger King says, uh, we want to use Lee, but has he done any McDonald's shoots? I've never been asked that question. So, yeah. Really? You, as as you, I, you really you? never been asked that? Yes. Yes. No, never. Um, never. Not once. I mean, I've even gotten, you know, if you have auditioned for, let's say, I mean, this is not the example, but let's just say, if, if, you've, if you've shot for Walmart, don't audition for this Target ad. Don't even come. And that's not exactly what happened. And then there'll be, you know, if you shot for Best Buy in the last six months, we don't want to consider you for this shoot. And I had one um, recently with two different kinds of tractors, let's say. And um, I had shot print and video, but it was more so print. I don't even know if the video ever lived on. And so this is their competitor that came along, and they booked me for the job. And then we got to talking about my previous experience with, these tractors, and they wanted to know who it was, and of course I told them, and I had told my agent, you know, I've worked for them, is this going to be a problem? And they, we did work it out, but they wanted to see everything that I had done with them just to make sure that, I mean, how recognizable was I on this other equipment, because I would be recognizable on this one. It doesn't happen a lot, but I've had it happen where, I have one right now where I've done a I've done a commercial, a couple different spots for them, and I had to sign a release that said I would not work for their competitors for five years. 
Well, it, that, that, does happen with, that does happen with commercials. I've definitely, yes. Yes. I see that all the time with commercials. And I have had this thing where, like, Best Buy will say, if you've worked for us in the past six months, don't bother coming to the casting. That, that I have I guess, seen. Okay, yeah. I guess you're right, because this tractor one was comparing, they were doing commercial and print. They were doing both, but the, the, the heart of the matter was the commercial. And mm-hmm. it was print from the other jobs that they wanted to see. So I guess you're right. It is more of a commercial thing. It doesn't happen enough that you're going to lose your mind over it, not in this market where, you know, you, you really have to stop and say, should I take this job? Because what if I what if I took a subway job and Quiznos hires me? They're never, you know, it, half the time it doesn't matter that much. And if it's old and if you weren't the featured person or, you know, it's a two-second shot, it's just not that big of a concern typically. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's see, moving on here. So um, back mm-hmm. to uh, being in front of the camera at the casting, and we're talking about doing different poses. This may be obvious, but I'll say it anyways. When you are uh, at the casting, you're in front of the camera, when you see a flash or if there aren't flashes and you can hear the click of the, the camera shutter, that is your key to move. I mean, that's you want to do a pose, click, you see a flash, Another pose, click, you know, you see the flash or whatever, move. So you move, that's your hint to move to the next pose. Pretty obvious, mm-hmm. but um, I sometimes I see people who are going just too fast. They're, they're yeah. actually not even doing poses. They're just sort of like moving and flowing. Maybe that mm-hmm. could work if you're like really good at that, but I've never, I, I don't think that's a very good practice. Just if you see the flash, that's your, your cue. To move to the next, yeah, not, uh, not unless somebody's asking you to like twirl it. You're, I mean, you're trying to create movement with your hair, or your whatever mm-hmm. you're wearing. But yeah, it's hear the click, find the pose, stop. You don't know what their shutter speed is. I mean, they're, they're probably not ready for high action. So, mm-hmm. good thing. Yeah. Another thing is, um, if people, uh, you know, people might get get good at this kind of thing at a casting where they have to do five poses or ten poses or whatever, and then they're done. But also, you got to remember to do that when you're on set. Like, you know, if I'm sitting on a couch with my, my fake wife or whatever, I need to be paying attention to the fact that, A, when they're shooting, because a lot of times they won't even tell you. They'll just start shooting. When you're on set, you know, you're on the actual shoot, you got to remember, like, it's the same deal. Like, keep moving. Keep doing different stuff. Little things. I mean, we're not talking like – I'm not talking like you're sitting on the couch and you have one leg crossed over the other – you see a flash and you quick got to move and cross the other like just a little mm-hmm. head movement, a little bit more of a smile, a little look down or a little look up or a little bit closer to your fake um, spouse or just little tiny minute things that just create mm-hmm. a different photograph. Because if the, if the camera's not moving, you have to move in order to make a different image. Exactly. And it can just be like, I mean, I'm sure you've looked through thousands of your own photos over the years. Just the tiniest little head tilt can change the lighting so dramatically where it's like, I mean, you could be like a quarter of a centimeter off from your last shot, but the next shot was amazing because you just hit it. It's the right angle for your face, for the light, for whatever whatever it might be. That's why the small little movements are so important. Big ones, I mean, it's, you could be in the – a photographer will many times tell you, you know, stay in this place. This is your home. This is where you live right now. This mm-hmm. little area that you've been working, just keep working within that and just don't make that big movement, you know, of sitting on the other side of the couch. Just 
tiny, tiny movements within whatever it was you were just doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just thought of something that I'm going to add in here. And I, I learned this on the very first shoot I ever did. The guy, the photographer, who was an awesome guy, and I was really lucky to have him as my first photographer because I said, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he said, uh, he said don't worry about it. I'll, just, I'll tell you what to do. And he really taught me a lot on that first job. It was an unpaid test shoot um, with this guy named Jay Kelly, and he's just awesome. Um, but uh, he said that you want to be able to make sure that you're that you can see the light, like the key light or whatever light, if it's a window, if you're using natural light, if you can't see the light out of your peripheral vision or out of your, your main line of sight, if you can't see that light source in your eye, then you won't have a reflection of that light source in your eye. That can make or break a photograph. Mm-hmm. If you look at like any photo of any model in any magazine or anything, Look at their eyes. They always have a reflection of the light source in their eye. You don't notice it. You just go, oh, that looks good. But, and you don't mm-hmm. know why. But if you look, they, they call it a catch light. And sometimes even photographers will put it in. If they get a perfect shot that doesn't have a catch light in the model's eye, they will put it in in Photoshop. They'll put a reflection of the light. So be conscious when you're at castings or when you're at a shoot that you can see the light source in your eye. Yes. I had someone do something like that with me, not on my first, but one of my first few bigger shoots. It was for um, Better Homes and Gardens. It was a Nivea lotion or body wash ad, I think, and I had to wear a towel, and I had my, my underwear and my I – I feel like I had a lot of things underneath because I was so nervous about the towel falling, but um, I was selling a product. And at the end of the shoot, when it was all done, it was a full day of just standing in a fake shower holding – this body wash, you know, I, I had never really done anything like that before. Um, the creative director had me sit down afterwards. He said, do you want to go through all of your images? And I was like, oh, yes. And he went through and showed me the ones that he five-starred, the, the ones he selected that were usable, and told me why. And then he went through some other ones that he said, now, these are great photos for you, but they're not for our product. These are showing you they make you look good, and all of a sudden the viewer is going to be like, oh, look, there's Emily, or, you know, look at her towel, or, you know, whatever it was I was doing, he was telling me what each picture might be selling, or even the tone of it, like the face, the facial expressions you're making here are very, you know, these maybe look a little seductive, and that's not what we're going for, or these look a little too silly, and that's not what we're going for. Um, and, the, and the photo chosen is, again, kind of that tilting the chin down, the eyes are down, and it's taking the focus off me and putting it on the product. The ones where my eyes were up, he's like, we love these. These are great for you, but not really so great for our product because we don't want to lose the product. So it's interesting as time goes on to learn, you know, are we selling your face, makeup, the clothes, something that you're holding, or just a lifestyle? I mean, you'll get to the point where you'll understand the difference and what you need to do to sell whatever it is. But things like that, if somebody's going to pull you aside and give you a little information, sit down and soak it up because you want to understand what, how, and why. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Out of curiosity, we would all hope and would benefit greatly from being able to see the photos that are being taken on the shoot, which is oftentimes not the case. What is your practice, Emily, of 
do you ask to see them? Do you do you do you have a rule that you don't no. ask to see them? What do you do? Um, a lot of times they'll offer to, and I will say thank you. That's so great because it's really great to see what have I been doing. And you'll walk over there and go, oh my gosh, you know, it was either good or bad. So I guess I should back up to the question. I don't ask because sometimes they don't want you back there. I mean, you don't you don't want to be the bossy person or making all these demands. Um, they offer it to me sometimes, uh, and I and I readily take it. And sometimes I was on one last week, and before I even started, they said, let me show you what we're looking for. And there had been a, a guy before me, and they were going to have me do the female version of it. So they showed me all his images, showed me the ones they liked, what they were looking for in the pose, um, and the intensity of the look, um, the angles, things like that. So I kind of knew what was going to happen. And then as we went on and they found one that they liked, they said, will you come back here and look at this? This is what we're after. And it was so helpful because then I knew, okay, stop doing all this other stuff. we got to aim for this. Mm-hmm. And it's so helpful when they can tell you the moment that that happens, like that one was good. Try to commit that to memory. What did I just do? What mm-hmm. did I just do? When you can't see the image, I mean, that is, that is tough. I try to really perk my ears up and listen to the whispers that might be going on mm-hmm. um, around mm-hmm. me. And ma- many times there are whispers, and sometimes you can get really defeated by the whispers because sometimes people don't smile; they're not happy, and you're not you're not always going to wander onto a set of really happy, friendly, helpful people. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing when you do, but sometimes you are just simply a model, and they have better things, more important things to worry about than mm-hmm. you and your feelings. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're a prop. Why not? You're a prop, and sadly, sometimes you really get treated like that. So mm-hmm. I try to perk up and listen to whatever I can hear them saying. Kind of look at what their expressions might be. Try not to take it to heart if it looks negative. A lot of people are not—they don't—they're not thinking about what their facial expressions are doing to you. If you're not hearing the feedback, just keep moving. Just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, I, I may ask is. I may ask sometimes, is this working? Are you happy with this? Uh-huh. I mean, I had a shoot today, and I sat in a position for quite a while, and I wasn't seeing fireworks going off back there. And I said, and I said do you want me to move? Do you want me to try a different spot? And they said, yeah, let's do that. If, if they say no, they're happy with it, great. I mean, you, you don't want to be talking too much, I guess, if it's, if it's a new shoot and, I mean, you don't know your audience yet. But I don't know. Is that kind of how you would handle it? How would you take that if you... We're in the same situation. Yeah, I mean, that's totally spot on. Um, that's interesting you say about the whispers because I've never actually thought about that. But, yeah, totally you do that because the thing is is that what people don't realize a lot of times, and I'm trying not to brag here, but you and I are probably more experienced than most of the people that are on the shoot. We've probably been on more shoots in our lives than they have with models. I mean, not always, but... Not always, but yeah, there's some times, yeah. That can include the photographer, the producer, the ad agency. I mean, a lot of times these, for instance, the ad agency people who are looking at the photos, they've maybe only been on a handful of shoots with models. Mm -hmm. Usually they're like, they're young, you know, they could be like 21, 22. They're usually quite young. And a lot of times you can tell that they're like excited that they're on the shoot because their project is coming together. And you can Mm -hmm. just tell that they're, they're just not quite as experienced. So a lot of times, like, we know what they want before they do. Um, if something isn't working, we could fix it by seeing the image. 
much yeah. faster than they could. They can look at an image and say, this isn't what we want. It's not quite right. But they don't know why. But we can yeah. look at an image and immediately go, oh, this isn't working because of this. And, exactly. But they don't think, well, this is a very experienced model. I mean, sometimes they, they're meeting us, a lot of times they're meeting us for the first time. They, they just don't realize that we have that ability just because we've done it so many times. So if they offer to show the images, it's like, okay, this is going to be a good day. Like, this is going to be, yeah. this, this is awesome. If it, because yeah. you find out quickly. Like, they'll shoot a few images, and then they'll go, this is what we're working with. And you're just like, oh, my God, thank God. Awesome. And then sometimes, they just, a lot of times, they just don't show you at all. They never offer, mm-hmm. and then I don't ask. I never, I never ask unless it's like a very small crew. I've mm-hmm. become like buddy-buddy with the photographer, and we're like walking to another location, and it's just me and him shooting the shit. And he's yep. maybe looking through, he or she is looking through the photos. Then maybe I'll say like, oh, can I like take a look and see what you're, see what you're getting? And then they're like, oh, yeah. Like they're, they're never going to be like, no. They just don't think about it. No. At the same time, it's not a, you don't want to get in the way on a shoot. And sometimes if you're like, oh, can I see how that one go, how that one go, like I want to see this, then you're oh, taking up yeah. time and you're getting in the way. Um, yeah. Another you thing really got to develop that skill to feel the room and totally. understand because there's there's shoots where yeah you're friends and there's shoots where you just you're not and you just need to be efficient and fast and take good direction mm-hmm. and and that that might be as social as it gets. Yeah, sometimes you need to understand that you just got to like shut up, stop talking, stop messing around, and we'll get into this later. But um, yeah, 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 you gotta you gotta you really do have to. You gotta hear the room. You gotta feel the tone and all that kind of stuff. One last thing I'll say about that is a lot of times they'll have a monitor set up and there'll be somebody on the monitor. Usually there's like a camera assistant who's messing with the cropping because they know how they're gonna crop this ad for the magazine or whatever. So that person is like messing with the cropping or maybe, you know, messing with the exposure a little bit and then they're starring. A lot of times they're starring, um, photos if they like them, because they're going to shoot hundreds of thousands of photos, they might as well star them if they know that they're good when they see them. And then if you, like, go to lunch or something, they break for lunch, a lot of times you'll be able to see one image. As you walk by the monitor, you can just take a look. Do not touch the computer. Do Whatever not. you do. <laughs> like, I, have seen, I have seen people do it, and I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, they, yeah. cause they know how to use the computer, so right. they think they should touch someone else's computer. Never touch their equipment. Yeah. Never. Do not mess with it. If you are lucky enough to be able to see the one image that they left up, that's the one you get to see. Congratulations. Yep. <laughs> All right. All right. So, um, moving on, one situation that you're going to get in again and again and again is, um, working with a, a fake spouse or a fake boyfriend or a fake girlfriend. You know, some people see that more than others, but it's very, very common in lifestyle. And because of that, you have to look in the photos like you are together. I mean, that you guys know each other, and you're going to have to be very close physically. We're not talk- I'm not talking about, like, kissing or anything or, or whatever, but you're going to be sitting right next to the person, you know, like arms around each other, uh, stuff like that. You know, if it's like a bridal shoot or something, 
Um, maybe you're going to have to look like you're like about to kiss, whatever, stuff like that. You're going to be close. You're very close. So one thing that I learned throughout the years of doing this is that when you get on set and, and you're going to know ahead of time that there's going to be a, your fake uh, wife or, or boyfriend or whatever, you want to take the time right away to get to know the person and to uh, create rapport, create a bond, just like a friendly bond, the way you would with, you know, that you're trying to make friends with anyone. Not an intimate thing, by all means. I mean, do not be creepy. That's, that is that is the number one no-no. And I've heard about guys who are creepy, like, do not do anything like that. But um, ask them about themselves, get to know them, because it's going to be so much easier when all of a sudden it's like, okay, we need the two people on set. All right, sit on that couch. Okay, get closer, get really close. Okay, now just like, yeah, you're having a good time. You're having fun. Like, that's how fast it's going to be. You're not going to have time at that point to get to know each other. So get to know each other ahead of time. Get comfortable. Get comfortable and make them comfortable. Make them realize this is a normal person. This is a cool person. You know, we're going to have a good time today. They're not a creep. They're not a weirdo. We're just going to have a good shoot. That's, like, exactly. very important, too. Same thing goes for kids. If you have kids, some people are uncomfortable around kids. Some people are really good with kids. But if you're uncomfortable around kids, you got to get over that really quickly and go up and meet your kids, talk to them about, you know, how, how long have you been doing this? You like modeling? You know, what are you? What, how old are you? What grade are you in? What are you studying? Stuff like that. Because the thing is, is you're trying to make the kid comfortable. That's the thing. The kid's not going to be comfortable pretending that you're his dad and he's going to run and jump into your arms smiling. They, they get nervous and stuff. They're shy. And so if you can make them comfortable, A, it makes the shoot go a lot better. It's a lot easier for you. And the producers are like, holy shit, this guy knows what he's doing. You know, exactly. he just made that kid, like, super comfortable, bonded with that kid in, like, five minutes, and the kid loves him. I was on a shoot for um, – sorry, I'm ranting here, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I was on a shoot for a zoo, the Minnesota Zoo, recently. On the shoot, I had a little boy and a little girl. Uh, I don't know if I should say this. When I was done, the little girl, who was probably, like, three or four or something – she asked if I was coming home with them. And I was like, no, 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 no. Um, you know, maybe we'll do another shoot sometime in the future. Yeah. And then she gave me a drawing of me. Aww. Like, she drew this little drawing. And it said, I will always remember you. Oh, how cute is that? These kids are the best, aren't they? Yeah. That Anyways, so I'm sweet. done with my rant. I'm done with my rant. Wait. Your you turn. know, the kids part is so important because, I mean, adults are adults. I mean, hopefully we some, – some people can be very isolated and rude and on their phone the whole time and still bring it out without bonding with you. But kids, you, you just can't ignore that. You have to bond with your kids. And maybe, maybe going to the parent first is the right approach too, just like what are they into, what's their favorite movie, what are their triggers. You know, have the parent help you make that bond because if, if they're upset and they're not having it, I mean, everyone's kind of looking to you to make this right. Their mom cannot come on set. I mean, she can for a minute, but she can't be in the shot with them. So, I mean, that's a it's a huge thing to stress, and it deserves a lot of chat about that because children are, they don't work as long as you do. They can't be on set as long as you are. Um, it requires parents. I mean, the child and the parents have to come on set. So it does just create, you know, a lot more stress. I don't know. It's it's just it's more of a situation to to get that handled. So don't um, don't avoid that. 
mm-hmm. um, along with what you were saying too, you you often not often but half the time you walk into a room and maybe people don't know each other or they already know each other they don't like each other and they're on their phones the whole time just kind of ignoring I mean do your best to to break the ice I've mm-hmm. noticed that. I mean, I respond to people that ask me questions that make me feel good when they're asking me questions. That's what I need to do to them. You need to say, how are you? What's going on? Where are you from? Instead of you rattling off all the jobs you've done or whatever it is that you're hung up about, be positive, be energetic, and be interested in them. Like, just keep asking them questions. But I've been on a couple shoots with people that were just little storm clouds and um, didn't didn't seem like they wanted anything to do with me. And I, I just kept asking them questions and kept being really excited about whatever it was they were telling me. And by the end of the shoot, I had a fake husband who was really not super fun. But at the end, he was. I mean, I really had to pump him up, but it, it, made, it made for a really good shoot. And at the end, I kind of did end up liking the guy. But I need to look good in that shoot, too. And me looking good is making him looking good. And I need him to be there with me. Otherwise, it's going to be miserable. So you got to do that. you got to do that for the sake of the whole shoot and for the sake of yourself. Be selfish and be kind to other people so that it makes you look good, too. Yeah, and picking up on something you said, um, don't be negative when you're on a shoot. And maybe that's easier said than done, but... I've noticed sometimes, every once in a while, I'll go on a shoot, and I'm sure you have this experience too, where you are by far the most experienced person there. And you're thinking, well, why are they doing this? Like, why? Like for instance, I was on a shoot uh, here in Chicago kind of recently where they were taking I – won't, I don't want to give it away. So I was in a very uncomfortable position just physically. Like they, they needed me to be in this really, really uncomfortable position. And they would, the, pho- the photographer would take a photo and then would come down off of this like staircase, walk over to the monitor, look at the photo, realize it's not what they wanted, and then would walk back up the stairs and take another photo and then walk back. The whole time I'm sitting there like cramping and dying and I just wanted to be like, just move the monitor. Or just take 10 photos instead of one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, Think about people who are like digging ditches, you know, for a living. And we're sitting and we're making a ton of money in not very much time for very easy work. Like if you have some negativity or you are fighting with your boyfriend or whatever, just leave it at the door. That's not the place for it. Don't complain. Don't complain when you're on sets. Be positive and enthusiastic. Get through the day and then you can deal with your shit later. But just don't complain because for, for one thing, it brings people down. But the other thing is that you don't know who can hear you. Exactly. I, it happens all the time that I'm on sets and you can people are talking to me or I can hear them talking to another model and they're fucking talking about like the the people on the set or like when are we going to get lunch? <laughs> like it's where mm-hmm. we should have been fed by now. And they're not even paying attention to the fact that like, the ad agency people can hear them. The photographer can hear them. I'm just like, you're crazy. And the thing is about sets is you don't know who's around you. Like, there can be people no. around you, and you don't know it. Like, you could be sitting on a couch with your fake husband, and there could be, like, a, a grip guy, like, behind the couch, and you wouldn't even know mm-hmm. it, you know? So exactly. So just as a rule of thumb, don't complain. Just don't complain. 
don't gossip, don't talk shit about anyone while you're on the set because I've been caught. I got caught once, and it wasn't a big deal. It was right when I first started, and I ended up talking about – I think I may have said this on the um, on a previous podcast, but real quick, I was on a, a shoot, and I was just you know talking with the other – it was a commercial shoot, so it was the other actors, and um, we were talking about people being in, in – like the people who fly first class. It was stupid, but we were just like, yeah, they, you know, you always walk on the plane. There's always those people who are sitting in first class, and they just kind of like look at you like, oh, back to steerage for you, something like that, you know, some stupid joke. And mm-hmm. the owner of the company who the shoot was for uh, could hear, and he turned to me and he said, we're not all that bad. Uh, you know, and, you know right not, then yeah. I learned my lesson. Like, I got caught. I learned I never do that again. Yeah, I I've been busted a couple times. Just you just get careless and you mm-hmm. you 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 let conversations go on that are maybe personal or just really inappropriate for being on set. And again, you don't know who's listening. Um and I not even that long ago got on a shoot and it wasn't quite what I expected. It was, you know, it was low budget. I knew that, but it wasn't quite the content that I thought it was. And a lot of us were kind of growling and complaining, and pretty soon everybody was kind of that way, me included. And I don't—I should have stopped myself a lot sooner. I mean, I don't think anyone was yelling about it, but the tone was kind of just like, oh, you know, we all thought we were going to do something more exciting. And I thought, oh, my goodness, shut up. You are came hoping to make an impression, hoping to get remembered, hoping to get booked on a, a job where you would make more money down the road because of this. And right now you run the risk of making the impression of being a spoiled brat, of being a complainer. And again, like you said, the people around me, the other talent around me, I don't know the level of experience they have or the people they may know. And they may go and say, oh, that Emily, she is, she's a complainer. She's really negative. She's mean to people. Who knows how many jobs I could have lost out on because of my bad attitude. And, and this is not your long-term job. You don't have an employer who knows you every day of the week. They know when you're having a bad day and a good day, and you get that forgiveness. Every day is a new job. Every day you're reapplying for a new job. Every day you have to be your best. You don't get to have this longevity with a client, a producer, or a director where they understand that you're having a bad day. They don't care about your boyfriend, your husband, your baby, the weather, the soccer game you have to go to. They don't care. It's nice that they do, but this is one of those jobs where you have to prove yourself every single time. And we get kind of comfortable and a little lazy. I, I do. I do sometimes. And I have to kick myself and remind myself I'm so lucky every single time somebody calls me and says, Emily, we want you to work. And I think, oh, fooled another one. All right. Well, I need to go in there and prove my worth every time. i got to prove it every time because if I suck that time, they'll be like, put her on the do not call list because she had a bad attitude or yep. she was lazy, or she was on her phone. People are There are people waiting in line every every day of the week that look just like you to take your spot. And mm-hmm. you don't want to give people a reason to say yeah. any of those negative things about you. Right. Yep. Let's see here. Okay. So this is kind of on the same, the same topic. So we talked a lot about um, situations where you have a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. Or kids, and a lot of times you're going to be on shoots. This is mostly on shoots. Um, you won't usually. This sometimes, actually, this sometimes happens in in castings. But a lot of times, when you get on set, 
um, you're in a group of models. And the shot is a group of models or a group of people that are having fun. Like you're at a bar, you know, maybe it's for beer or something, and you have to look like you're having a really good time. Here's the thing that people usually do wrong with this. The photographer or the producer or whatever will say, okay, now everyone have a good time. Like everybody like is laughing and having a good time. So people, pe- what people will do is they'll tell jokes and they'll talk, which is the natural thing to do when you're with a group of your friends. You're, you're laughing, but you're laughing for a reason. You're laughing because somebody said something funny. That doesn't work on, in photo shoots because whenever anyone's talking, it makes the photo look weird and bad and unusable because your mouth is half open and your eyes are half closed. It just doesn't look mm-hmm. right. What they need is they need everyone to look great in the same photo. So if everyone's laughing at the one person who's being funny and telling jokes, it doesn't work. The photo is garbage. can't be used. So don't talk. Don't tell jokes. Just laugh. And it's a very weird thing. And it makes people feel very uncomfortable, and that's why they don't do it. They don't just go, okay, we're laughing. It's a weird thing to do, but it's what works. It's the, it's the way that it works. And so when I'm in a group, because I am experienced at this and I've done this a lot, is that I'll take the lead in the group. And there's one thing that I'll say. There's one time that I'll actually speak, and I'll say, remember that time that I said that really funny thing? That's all I say. I don't, there's no joke. It's just that. I just go, remember that time I said that really funny thing? And then we'll laugh. We'll laugh mm-hmm. for, you know, however long people can naturally laugh. You can't just continue to laugh, right? There's like a... No. <laughs> it, it fades. It fades, and you have to bring it back up again. And so maybe when, I, when that happens, inevitably the photographer is going to start saying like, okay, let's keep doing it. Keep it up. Keep energy up. I'll just go, okay, and we're laughing. And then just everyone starts laughing because it's a ridiculous thing to say, first of all. But it's mm-hmm. also a reminder, like, we're laughing, we're smiling. Like, it's not about talking. It's not about actually conversing. Nothing's being recorded. It's just visual images. And we all have to look good. We all have to be smiling. We all have to be laughing at the same time in order for it to work. So. Exactly. And I think there can be that rotation. It, it is exhausting. And it gets stale, too. So you have to remember to refresh that. Yeah, Um Real quick, I want to go back to th- this is a, a tip that's it's mainly for the actors who are listening to this because if you go to a casting and you're supposed to be with a group, you're so used to trying to improvise and be funny and, and likable and whatever. And I went to a shoot uh, where they were taking groups in to, to cast them. They put us around a table and they had like some fake beers or something. And they said, okay, just like pretend you guys are out, you're having a good time, and uh, yeah, just do that. We're going to shoot some photos. And because I'm experienced, I knew what they, what they need. They're not listening. They don't care. It doesn't matter what you say. If you are fucking hilarious and everyone is dying, but all the shots are of you halfway through a joke, they can't use you. It, you know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make any difference. And so it was... Uh, it was two actors, and then it was me and this other very experienced model who were in this group. And I let the other people and the other model let the other people tell jokes and talk. And I was trying to bring it back to just smiling. Like I would say, like, let's all smile. All right, we're smiling. We're smiling. And they just kept talking and telling jokes, and me and the other girl got cast out of yep. that group. We both got cast. 
because we both realized that it's not about what you say. It's about the way the photos turned out. So all I did, it was probably awkward. The other actors were probably like, who's this fucking guy? Like, why is he just smiling and laughing and not saying anything? And all I was thinking is, smile and laugh and don't say anything. And then I got cast. Well, half of our auditions, sometimes it's just the casting director, and there's no clients there. So they're not there to see your winning personality and how cool you were. And, and, and you know, sometimes that works. Sometimes just being a really great personality wins you the job. But many times it's just that image. Sometimes the people sitting there that day will have absolutely nothing to do with the decision. This photo is going to get sent across country to somebody in some cubicle somewhere else, and they're making the decision. They've never met you. They probably never will meet you. They're the decider. So, yeah, you need those images to be spot on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, moving down the list here, we're kind of jumping around with these topics, but um, because of the fact that you're going to be very close with somebody almost all the time, well, maybe not almost all the time, but a lot of times there's another model or, or more than just you there, and you're going to have to be really close, wear deodorant, bring deodorant to, you know, put it in your bag, and after this, Emily, you should talk about, like, what yeah. everyone should bring, but make sure you bring deodorant and bring, like, breath mints or, like, I mean, gum, you got to stay away from gum because you can't be, like, chewing gum or whatever. But No, you cannot be chewing gum. Yeah, yeah, don't be chewing gum. Uh, break a little tiny piece of it off. That's what I do. I break, like, the tiniest little piece off so I can just kind of stick it in the back of my mouth, and, yeah, I swallow my gum. Yeah, But so it's a I. tiny little piece. Yeah, so if you got gum, just make it, break it off into a tiny little chunk so that you can get rid of it easily. Yeah, and that's just because you're going to be so close to somebody that, like, they probably couldn't smell you anyway, but to make yourself feel comfortable, like, the worst thing is to be on a set and you get there and you're like, man, I forgot to, like, put on deodorant and I got eight hours oh. of, like, being really close to this person. Shit. Like, that's not a fun day. No. Bring that stuff. Yeah, why don't you talk about what you what you should bring to every every shoot? Yeah, yeah. And if you forget those things, hair and makeup, they usually always have mints because they're two inches from their, your face. And they're often offering us one as well as you sit down. So if you don't have one, go ask them for it because, yeah, that, that's, it's a big deal. Um, so for women, and, and I think this goes for men too, maybe you kind of know what's in the model basic kit. I mean, a lot of times I have my agents say, everything's provided, but bring your kit, your model kit. And by that, they typically mean skinny jeans, leggings, nude bras, strapless bras, um, seamless underwear. I usually bring nude black and white and sometimes gray, but for the underwear, nude usually covers everything. Black and white uh, and nude tank tops, like those spaghetti tank tops to go underneath things to kind of smooth things out. And then bring black and nude flats and heels. You know, if they say they've got everything great, but it just, it, I, I was on a shoot today and this is exactly what I brought. I brought all these items and we didn't use a single one of them. But I'm telling you, there's so many times when you do, and sometimes you wish you'd brought even more. I guess, like, backing up even to an audition, I was told when I first got into this, prepare to be naked. You're not going to be naked, but what if you didn't shave your legs and all of a sudden you've got to wear a skirt, or they want to see your leg. I mean, that happens. They want to see a body part and get a shot of it because we're selling a tennis shoe, and we want to see what your calf looks like. Mm-hmm. Same goes with your hands. Like you're not you're wearing uh, an outfit. I mean, that's today I did the same. This um, it was it was apparel, but fingernails were important. They wanted to know that the hands looked natural. Usually a clear polish or you know that perfect color of pink, and that's going to depend on your skin tone. 
Um, but that's usually where they want you to be. So if you don't like nail polish, that's fine. Just come with clear or nothing and have your nails and your hands looking nice. Have lotion on them. Um, I can't tell you how many times they want to see your hands, even in an audition. And again, with with auditions, I think that's kind of, you know, head to toe, grooming, whatever it is that you need to do. Make sure the eyebrows are plucked. Make sure you've lotioned. Nails are done. Toes are done. Shaved everything that needs to be shaved. When coming to a shoot, um, and that's, I mean, we can talk a lot about this. You're going to get a call sheet. You're going to get told the items that you need to bring. Sometimes you don't need to bring anything. Bring those basics anyway. Do it anyway, even if they say no. Leave them in the cart um, if they don't want them on set. And, and be aware of that, too. If your stylist says, we have a lot of stuff on set, I don't want all your junk here, mm-hmm. leave it in the cart, bring what was asked of you, and know that you can go back to your car and get those things if needed. If you know what you're supposed to bring, throw in some wild card items. If they said everything's black, white, and gray, throw in a couple colored things. You never know. And it, it has happened to me so many times. Research who your client is. Know what their product is. That's going to kind of help you know what to pack as well. It's wonderful if someone gives you a storyboard and you can see this, oh, this is what we're shooting and it's going to be a picnic. Okay, so this is picnic-type casual clothes. So this is what I'm going for. I mean, you you don't always get the luxury of knowing that. Sometimes you get so little information. So, I mean, look them up on Facebook, on Instagram, their website, whatever it is you can do to if you don't know to like complete that picture and bring bring some bonus items that you think might apply, you know, sunglasses. Yep. You know, you don't need to go crazy. And I know some of you, you know, you're not driving cars. You're taking an Uber or a bus or a cab. And believe me, that's a lot of crap to haul around. Just make sure they're smart choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you can if you can put more in there, do it. The pet peeve that I have and that I'm sure every wardrobe person is going to have with you is are your clothes clean? Are they pressed? Are they on a hanger? Don't pull your crap out of a duffel bag and have it all wrinkly and assume that everyone brought a steamer to take care of it. Have your things clean and ready to go. I mean, as soon as I just got home from a shoot today, I immediately put all my clothes away, hung them all up, put them all back in order. I mean, have a good process for this and have those clothes hung up, please, because you're going to save that person a lot of time. They may, not, they may have to steam all your stuff over again, and those are little items that can set a crew back. I don't know. I think that kind of covers makeup. I'm sorry. I forgot a big one. Even if hair and makeup is provided, make sure you have your full hair and makeup kit in the car with you, nearby, or in a bag. Because I've had the hair and makeup person be sick, not show up, running late, and you could get a head start on that and save the day. So always have that stuff with you. You could have misread your call sheet, and there you are looking pretty scary, and you've got nothing to fix yourself with. So that was it. I would, uh, I'd say that, uh, men usually need to bring, definitely bring stuff for your hair. A lot of times with guys, and it's probably not the same thing with, with women, but, uh, a lot of times the, uh, hair person or the makeup person will just say, how do you normally do it? And mm-hmm. they'll just say, just do it the way you normally do it. And so you gotta be prepared for that. Um, really simple, like makeup stuff. I mean, I have like very, very little makeup. I have like two, items and i don't even know what they're called but like something <laughs> something that would uh i still get mascara and uh eyeliner mixed up but uh well that's, so, a, that's uh, good you still have your man card yeah 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 good um 
So just really minimal, like, makeup stuff where if you have to do it yourself and you need to, like, cover something up, like, go to, like, Macy's. I did this. Um, go, I have no idea what I'm doing. What's, like, the simplest, most basic thing that I need? And they'll be like, okay, mm-hmm. and they'll, like, match. You'll, they'll match your skin. They'll tell you how to do it. I did that years ago. And then, obviously, yeah, like you said, if you're going to a shoot and they say, you know, bring these things, bring as much as possible. And don't bring your entire closet. But if you could bring your entire closet, like, do it. I mean, bring as much as you can because the stylist is going to love you for it. At this point, I'm sure you and I both, we know what they want. Like, we can look at the shoes. Yeah. We can look at we can look at the call sheet or the storyboard or whatever and just go okay I know what they I know what they want and we can bring stuff and they'll love everything pretty much just because we've done it so long so a lot of people won't know what to bring but listen to what people like pay attention to what they don't like what doesn't work and then just like you know keep track of that stuff buy more of that stuff for instance uh, layering looks really good. For, I don't mm-hmm. know, probably for women too, but for guys, it's yeah. huge. Yeah, I mean, like every shoot I go on, they layer. I'm telling you, the amount of times I've worn a Henley on a shoot <laughs> with with a, like a plaid long sleeve button down shirt is, I mean, mm-hmm. dozens and dozens of times. Like that's a really popular thing. So like you want to get stuff that you can put underneath. So like gray, dark blue, that waffle texture is huge. Everyone loves that. When it comes to pants, if you have, like, tears in your pants or if you've had them so long that they're – if they're not, like, in pristine condition, they're not usable. You mm-hmm. might love to wear them, and they must they, – they're probably very comfortable, and no one would ever notice that they're, you know, they're not perfect, right? But they don't work in shoots. That's a yeah. really good point to make because, like, fitness shoots, I'm sure you've been on a lot of those, you don't – probably bring in the fitness clothes that you wear to the gym for real. Mm-hmm. You have your other fitness clothes that, like, are nice, you like them, and you take care of them because you know these are probably going to end up on a shoot mm-hmm. because they're in yeah. good shape. You can't bring the pilled-up, ratty, really, really worn-looking T-shirts and stuff that's going to show. So kind of set aside those items that you know are the, the winners for shoots and take really good care of them. Yep. Um, logos are no-goes. Yes, I'm glad you said it because I'm like, oh, we got to talk logos and words. Yeah, yeah. They, don't, they don't work. And then um, in terms of accessories, uh, get like a wedding band uh, yeah. if, you're not, if you're not married. Or, or maybe if you are married, get like a very simple wedding band that fits you because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of times where I'll go on a shoot and I'm supposed to be married. And these people have thought they have so much on their mind so much that they're thinking about. A lot of times they don't remember like, oh, we got to make sure that he's wearing a wedding band because they live in a house together. And in America, only people oh, who man. are married live in houses together. So we better put a wedding band on. And there's been a lot of times where I've been like, oh, I have one. And, and they're like, oh, yes. thank you. Well, and yeah. A side point is you want to, if you can save a makeup artist or a clothing stylist, like, if they don't have something or if they can't find something that they need and you have it, like, if you have a wedding band or if they go, oh, where did we put those glasses? Don't announce it to anybody but them. Just tell them, like, oh, I have those. They will love you and you don't make them look bad. You do yeah. not want to say that in front of, like, other people 
because it's kind of like saying, well, you didn't do your job, but luckily, like, boom, here I am. I got it. I, I, I'll save you here. Just be like, oh, I got those. I, I've had multiple shoots where that's happened, where they don't have a wedding ring, and I go, oh, I have one. I have one in my bag. Let me see if that'll work. Or watches, like bring watches, because if they want to have mm-hmm. a watch in there, you just, I, I actually have a couple of them if you want to take a look at them. Also, sometimes, and we were talking about this before yesterday, like somebody else won't have brought something, one of the other models, and the stylist won't have something that fits them, you can say, like, hey, I actually have some stuff. Like, feel free to try them, try to see if these will fit. But, again, don't say it in front of anybody except, like, that model and the stylist. Because if you save the stylist and the stylist saves the shoot because of it, they love you. If you save the shoot because they fucked up, they hate you for it. That's such a good point. And I honestly, I hadn't really thought about that that deeply. But I have thought hair, makeup, wardrobe, they're your best friends. They're your first point of contact. They're the ones that spend the beginning part of the shoot with you. And if they don't like you, that's a rough day. And when Mm -hmm. they do like you, those are usually the people that are coming up to me when they're powdering me or fixing my clothes. And they'll say, Emily, they like it. They're happy. Things are going well. Right. They come up. I, I have so many of them do that, and they're they're smart. They're I mean, usually pumping you up full of um, good vibes. Even if it's not true, I don't care. It helps, like to have someone come up and say, "You you look great. Everything's looking really good," or mm-hmm. or giving mm-hmm. you that feedback that you can't hear. I, I worked with Allison today. I will say her name because she is amazing. She is nonstop giving compliments and encouragement, and every time I work with her. Even if she isn't on my set, even if she's walking through to another shoot, she will say some wonderful compliments to someone, and you just know that she is going to make you feel your best. And if something's wrong, she comes up to you while she's pretend fixing your sweater, or if she is for real, I don't even know, and she'll say, don't worry, it's not you. It's something else that they're worried about. And I mean, those people, the people that do that, the people that are sensitive to that and understand how messed up you can get by things that are happening beyond your set there. I mean, they are amazing, and they deserve so much praise for just those little things because that can get the best out of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so valuable. So, yeah, you want them to love you because mm-hmm. they will take care of you and they will make you look really, really good. Yeah, and if you can do anything that makes it look like they're doing a really good job, I mean, that's the goal. I learned... Again, I learned by making a a mistake. It was my first shoot in Chicago, so it was like four years ago. And uh, I was on a shoot where they were fitting me. The the stylist was getting pants ready for me, and they said, uh, oh, here, I think these will be good. Try these on. And they were, like, ridiculously small. Like, I couldn't even get close to pulling them up all the way, and, like, I couldn't button them, and, like, my quads were just, like, going to tear the pants apart and they were like high waters like it looked ridiculous and I didn't think about this because I wasn't experienced I walked out to where because she wasn't there anymore she had gone out to talk to the producer or something and I walked out and I said yeah I think these are a little small like as a joke I understand now what I did wrong but I was like I think these are a little small because they just looked ridiculous and she goes okay and she like got me back really quickly into the room like kind of before anyone else could notice, and she said, in the future, don't do that because it makes me look bad. And I was just like, of course. It burns when that happens. It just hurts so bad when you're like, oh, I didn't know. I mean, but unfortunately, you, you, learn. 
you learn, like, the best lessons you get are the mistakes you made, but it does really suck because you're like, I'm not an idiot. I'm not stupid. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings or, you know, it happens. And that's, that's why things like this are really important to talk about because it's, it's little things like that that can just set somebody off to hate your guts and you didn't mm-hmm. think anything of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. We are getting down to the end of this. I have one one last tip pretty much. And um, that is, and we, we've kind of talked about this in the past, but when you're on set, first of all, let me let me say, there's going to be a lot of downtime. If you've never done a shoot before and you're just starting modeling, you know, maybe you're you have your first job booked or whatever, you have to bring stuff to keep yourself occupied because you could be sitting for like four hours before they use you, or you could be sitting for two hours and then they use you for ten minutes and then you go and sit for two hours and then another ten minutes. So bring like a book, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I bring, I download movies and I put them on my my iPad, and I just watch movies sometimes. I mean, I I make sure that I bond with the other people, but I'm not going to rely on conversing with with someone for eight hours. You know, there's going to be times when they're going to be reading, and you don't want to just be sitting there with absolutely nothing to do. So mm-hmm. I bring, I bring, you got to bring stuff to do and bring stuff to eat because you don't want to be hungry. Bring, bring like water and like some granola bars or something because you can get stuck where you're like really hungry and lunch isn't for another three hours. Thoughts on that, Emily? Yeah, honestly, I have brought things a couple times and I'm a little bit of a chatty Kathy that I usually end up talking to my people the whole time. And I, and I love that. I enjoy that. So mm-hmm. most of the time, um, we spend the whole time talking about all sorts of things, which is such a great thing to do. But, I mean, there's quite a few where no one wants to talk to you mm-hmm. or you're by yourself and everyone's off busy. So it is good to have that. I'm usually kind of just, like, catching up on my emails. Um, I haven't really ever watched a movie before. I'll, if I think of it, I'll try to just bring something something that I need to work on or, I don't know, just some little project that I can easily put in. I try not to bring things that are going to take a lot of, Thought. I don't want to get too into something mm-hmm. or make or make it look like, oh, I'm doing a whole other job over here on your dime. So right. I, I try not to get too sucked into to what I'm doing. And then along with the food thing, yeah, good note to bring those things because some, some shoots are low budget or, or not even low budget, but just on the move the whole time. And some people overlook bringing even water. I've had quite a few where no one even brought a single bottle of water. So if you bring your own. If you have a dietary restriction especially, bring your own stuff. Don't expect that they're always going to have that for you. They mm-hmm. do most often really think about people's allergies and their food preferences. Sometimes they even ask you ahead of time, what can you and can you not eat? But be responsible for your own food. And then when it comes to craft services, which are your snacks in between meals and meals themselves, don't be the first one to go plowing into the food. Mm-hmm. Don't overdo it on the snacks. Make sure that you are not like the first one running through there. And make sure it's not the first thing out of your mouth. Where's the coffee? Where's the food? Don't be first in line at lunch or dinner unless you are told to do so. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they will say, we need you on set. We need you to be done first. If they mm-hmm. say that, don't don't be humble. Do it. Do what you're told. But otherwise, if not, that crew has been there hours before you and most likely will be there hours after you leave. I mean, they put in some seriously long hours and they don't get the praise and the butt kissing that we get and, you know, all the pep talks. 
they do some pretty serious hard labor to put a shoot together. So don't be the first one in line to get the best of the food or the hottest food. Let those guys go first because most likely they have to be on set before you anyway. Mm-hmm. So hang back unless you're told otherwise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, another note on uh, on lunch is you need to be careful of your clothing, the clothing that you yes. have been put in uh, by the stylist. And that means um, a lot of times they'll say, the stylist will say, hey, do you have like um, something you can put over your shirt so that if you spill, you don't spill on the stuff that we need to continue to shoot with? Um, mm-hmm. Try to be ready for that. Sometimes they'll forget to do that, and you should ask, like, do you want me to take this off? Do you want me to change? Yeah. Or otherwise I have this, like, this like pullover thing that I can just put over it. And they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, do one of those. And then the other thing is when you are just hanging out on the couch or whatever waiting to go, and shoot, but you've been put into your nice pressed outfit that you're going to wear, you need to be careful of wrinkling the clothing. You don't want to wrinkle the clothing because they've just spent time steaming that or ironing it or whatever. So be very, you've got to constantly be thinking about the clothes that you have on um, and not messing them up because there's no faster way to piss off a stylist than to fuck up the clothes that they just spent 20 minutes like steaming. That's such a good point. I was going to say it, so I'm glad you did. That's that's a big one. Just find a place that doesn't have a back on a chair and just sit upright. Like, if you can sit on a stool, great. If you can stand, great. Don't cross your arms, you know, especially you guys in your dress shirts. That's got to be hard because I think guys have more things that wrinkle than we do. We luck out with a lot of knit and sleeveless tops, so we can get away with it a little easier. But, yeah, I've been yelled out about that a couple times. We picked a weird profession to be in, didn't we? <laughs> so strange. All right. Well, Emily, I think we covered pretty much everything. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention? I think it was good. I mean, there's a lot more. I mean, you could get so in-depth on so many things, but, I mean, you covered a lot. I think this is plenty long enough for anyone to listen to, I'm sure. But, yeah, I'm really happy with what we've discussed. I've learned a few things today, Lee Foster. So have I, and I appreciate that, you know. It's good just talking about the industry and hearing other people's views on it, and I definitely learned some stuff too. Um, it really is. I will say that um, for the people listening, if you want to get in touch with Emily or I, we'll give you our emails, and we've decided that what we can do is if you want to do a Skype call with us, we can take you through like a mock casting pretty much and show you exactly what to do, show you the way that we pose, and we can kind of tell you what to do and watch you pose and maybe say, okay, don't do this, do more of this. And I did this with um, a friend of mine uh, who I became friends with through this podcast who reached out to me. He had little experience modeling, and then I did a Skype call with him and just kind of showed him, and now he's actually having quite a bit of success. And uh, he said that it was incredibly helpful for him because the thing is, is it comes down to the way you look, right? When you when you go to these castings, it's it's the way you look, it's your size, it's your height, it's your skin tone, it's whatever. Like, whatever they're looking for. Like, that's the main thing. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you, as a fact, I know that if I go up against five other guys that look very similar to me and fit the same type, I know that I will probably get the job just because I've done it so many times. I just mm-hmm. know what to do when I go into a casting. I know exactly how to stand. I know exactly the questions to ask and the questions not to ask and how much to talk 
and everything, and I know where to look. The thing is, is on a set, time is money, right? And if you go to a casting, the person who's shooting the photos is almost always the person who's going to be shooting the photos on the, on the day of the shoot. That's the photographer. Mm-hmm. This is the person who's thinking, I'm going to have to shoot this person for eight hours. I have limited time. I have limited budget. I've got to get this shit done. If they don't know what they're doing, it's going to extend the day by half. And if somebody comes in and they just go boom, 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 know exactly what to do, know exactly how to move, they instantly go get that person. Even if even if maybe there's guys that are like that fit what they were looking for more than me, they know that I'm uh, that I've experienced enough that I'm just going to make it a very very easy day for them. So it comes down to the casting. I mean, the casting mm-hmm. is the that's the hurdle, and they're difficult, and you're either experienced at that or you're not. And I think that it would probably be very helpful for people to talk to one of us. So if you're a guy, probably email me and we can set up a Skype thing. We decided that we'll do just 50 an hour. And if it goes over that, we're not going to be crazy about this. We'll cut you at 60 minutes. But if you're a guy and you're interested in modeling or you've started to model and you still feel a little nervous and you don't really know what to do, maybe you're not booking the castings, you can email me. And if you're uh, a woman, I would suggest emailing Emily just because that just makes more sense. And then you can, you know, we can set up a payment through PayPal or Venmo or something. So my email is my first and last name, which is L-E-I-G-H-F-O-S-T-E-R-123 at gmail.com. And Emily? And mine is my name as well. It's Emily Jo Hayes, which is E-M-I-L-Y-J-O. H-A-Y-E-S at gmail.com. There we go. And do you have a website, Emily? Yeah, and again, it's just my name, just www.emilyjohayes.com. So, yeah, I've got a whole bunch of stuff on there, as much as I can fit on there without breaking it. If you like this podcast, please go to iTunes and write me a review. I'm Lee Foster. Thanks for listening.